0: I I don't think, hey, I think I probably should wait to applause to see if I can actually zip this thing up. I swear, he's really not 82 years old in that video. He is way too fast to be that age. Well, welcome this morning for another exciting, very deep spiritual moving in the house of the Lord uh, as we... Talk about being a neighbor. Last week we talked about the two greatest commandments that just tickle God's heart to love the Lord with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and all your heart. And to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And so Jesus basically blew the concept of a neighbor, well, he expanded it, didn't he? He, he, he made it way bigger then that lawyer wanted to make it that scribe of the religious law. Of course, the reality is that was put in the Bible and has been there for 2,000 years because all of God's kids struggle with loving as big as God loves. None of us are Jesus, none of us are God, but yet Jesus lives in our heart, and he wants to expand our love for the world. I I think you know, if you've watched any professional baseball games with the guy in the flaming red hair, John (laughs) 3.16. For God so loved the world, not just those who lived in heaven with him, not just those who proclaimed to be his children, but God so loved the whole world that he considered them his neighbors. For God desired that none should perish, but that all through Jesus should be saved. God's got a really big neighborhood that he wants us to belong to. So we're going to be talking about neighbor again today and about how compassion drives that neighborliness. I don't know if my lap, my little pad here, guys, is going to work. So if you would go to the next slide for me. I can't seem to control it yet. Mr. Rogers quoted one time, I hope you're proud of yourself for the times you said yes. When all it meant was extra work for you and was seemingly helpful only to somebody else. That's really how Jesus lived, isn't it? Do you know what he emptied himself of just to come down here and talk with us? I mean, if you talk about comfort, he just didn't move from the suburbs. He moved from king of kings, lord of lords, heaven emptied himself out came here with no reputation no credentials he couldn't even show his I am the son of God card to the world where they would believe it Hmm. but his compassion his compassion drove we talked about the word compassion comes from this deep longing to love on others And that love is, we didn't talk about this last week, but love is actually a verb, it's an action word that moves us to do things we wouldn't normally do if all we cared about was us. In other words, compassion and the love of God drives us to yearn to love on the world for our Savior. The word compassion, in one of the definitions, huh, I got cut off. Compassion, simply put, a desire to relieve somebody else's suffering. Can you say that with me? A desire to relieve somebody else's suffering. And by suffering, we're talking loneliness, sorrow, thirst, emptiness, pain, torment, rejection, the list goes on and on. What causes us as human beings to suffer? The greatest suffering is if eternally... You don't have great joy in the presence of Jesus. That is the ultimate suffering that any human being can serve. You can have the greatest life here on the planet, but in relationship to eternity, your life is only about that long. Bring of the world and give us eternal joy. He's an eternal God. And so he sees things on a much bigger spectrum. God's got an end game in mind for everything, and it ends in joy, peace, Love, excitement, thrill. It's called the gospel, the good news. Well, it's story time. Jesus was on a journey from Judea to Galilee. So he's in the southern part, going to the northern part. By the way, Susie and I are getting ready to go to Israel in another two weeks. We've never been there. It really wasn't on my big bucket list because I live with Jesus every day. I don't really have to see where he walked when he was on earth. But when an opportunity came up, something just jumped in our hearts. And I'm just telling you that because I'm going to come back so holy and so deep. I'm going to wear these shoes and I'll bring back dust from the promise. Line. Anyway, I hope you can live with me when I get back because I'm going to just, oh, I will be elevated. And I believe we're going to see this location. Jesus was in Judea. That's where Jerusalem was. He's going to the Sea of Galilee. And on the way, he had to pass through, and we talked about this last week, a guy that was from Samaria. They were non-Jewish. And he had to pass through a city called Sychar where Jacob, one of Abraham's descendants, had dug a well. And the Bible says Jesus was weary from the journey. It was about noon And they got up around six in the morning. He's maybe walked for four hours. And he's weary, and he sits down at this well while his disciples go into town and get some food. Well, out of this town comes a woman bringing her water pot. And she's a Samaritan. And Jesus is sitting there. Now, you've got to understand the culture. If you've ever been to the Middle East proper, where it's very strict, men you're not to look on women and women, you're definitely not to cat- make eye contact with a man. Is that right? In fact, in some nations they have policemen with sticks and they'll swatch you if you look up and look at a man, women. I don't know why they don't beat the men, but that's the way it is. And that culture is many thousands of years old, many hundreds of years old. And this was a culture. Similar in Jesus' day. Because as Jesus is sitting there, this woman's coming up expecting zero interaction with this guy because somehow she knew he was a Jew. I don't know if they wore different clothing, if their skin was a different color. I really didn't research why they knew each other apart. But Jesus says, hey, can I have a drink? And she says, sir, why are you being a Jew talking to me? Because we all know the Jewish people have no dealings with us Samaritans. And Jesus said, still would like a drink. And she said, I, I'm, I'm got that you're talking to me. He said, if you knew who you were talking to, in fact, you would ask me for a drink of eternal water. And she said, sir, you don't even have a bucket, and this well is really deep. He says, the water I'm talking about is a water that will satisfy you in such a way you will never thirst again. That was deep, spiritual. And she said, great, I don't like coming out here and getting water anyway. (laughs) This is one of my least favorite chores. So, give me some of that water. And he said, Say, why don't you go get your husband? And she paused. She says, "Um, I'm not married. And then Jesus says this to her He says, You've answered well, for you've been married five times and you're living with number six. How did you know that? Are you a prophet? She says, Because I know this well that we, you know, are looking for the Messiah. And man, you're very prophetic here. And Jesus said, If, you know, you Samaritans worship on a mountain, we Jews worship the true God. But the reality is God's looking for true worshipers who will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And she says, I know the Messiah will come and we'll all get to hear the truth. And he said, I am he. The one who's talking to you right now, I am the Messiah. The Bible says she got so excited that she left the pot. Just as the disciples are coming, she runs back into town. And she says to everybody she knows, come see the man that told me everything about myself without even knowing me. Could he be the Messiah? And she was so engaging and so real about what she had saw, and people knew something was up, so they began in mass to come out to the well. And meanwhile, the disciples come up on Jesus, shocked that he's talking to this woman, but nobody asks him why he's talking to her. I mean, you can see him walking and going, "Jesus is talking number one to a woman, and isn't that a Samaritan woman? What the heck? So by the time they get there she's gone they don't ask him and they said here master here's the bread he said this I have bread you know not of for I'm here to do the will of the father and to accomplish his work lift up your eyes boys because the fields are white with harvest and just then all the people of Samaria were coming out of this city called Sychar towards them what imagery yeah what imagery well this is a time in our program for craft time and I've been scanning and where's Candace sitting is she here is and who's sitting next to you Gigi is Alex here today she's helping she's being a servant over there well this will teach her Gigi and Candace would you be willing to come up here and help me with craft time see what I have here it just looks like regular paper but if you ladies are willing they're so excited I picked them so excited. Uh, Gigi put a little note in my pocket pastor if you can ever embarrass me in public please okay ladies you stand over there with this piece of paper yes you can you're both gonna have to help in this I want you to do this with that paper you're gonna imitate me here can you figure that out You're both very intelligent young people. Go ahead and help her crease that, Gigi. This will make more sense as as we go. All right, girls, we're going to make a paper doll. Yeah, so just imitate me between the two of you. And I want you to start up here. And this is going to be a girl paper doll. So go to the side that's creased. And you're just going to make... See what, just follow what I'm doing here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can tear that paper. It's not really that valuable. Okay. So, so you, yeah, make it pretty good, good size. That a girl. That a girl. GG, you supervise. Make sure that you lend your creative activity to this craft. Okay. Then, then do that a little bit. Now we're going to... No, not too far. Okay. Okay. Man. okay. That. Oh, that, You know, you're all right. You're all right. Because here, here, do this. And then do this little thumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You're doing good. You know, just because God took nine months to make you, we're not really going to want to take that long here. So keep going. Go good. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Fear fear not. Now, now, um, now, do that. See, this is a girl, so she's going to have a dress. Yeah, yeah. And this is a church dress, so make it long. <laughs> I don't want any, don't want any, you know. Okay, okay, you're doing good. Okay, now come down with her legs, make her little foot. Here we go. Oh yeah, oh yeah, she's got feet. Yeah, so you're doing good. So basically, hey, Gigi kind of look at this and make sure she kind of can do that. Okay, before you open her up. Oh, yeah, make the foot. That's good. This is good. How many are glad I didn't call on you to be up here? Raise your hand. Okay. Girls, see, they're very compassionate. You're doing great. Okay, so here we're going to make something right here. Can you see what I made? Okay, watch her Gigi. Make sure she supervises Yeah, yeah, I know you're related to me, so you're already at a disadvantage. (laughs) Of course, Gigi is too, but she's related to Susie's side of the family, so that kind of, yeah, you see the, okay. So just take this, and I want you uh, to hang on to that. No, no, I want to have that. I'm gonna have this. No, no, I did that. Now, I want you, this is like Jesus when he made When God made you, he blows into you like Adam and Eve. He blows into you and made you in your mother's womb. And God made this woman, this Samaritan woman. And he brooded over her. And then he blew into her the breath of life. And, and, and there she is in all her beauty. Well, I guess no two people are alike, that's for sure. Okay, So... This is, this is the woman. This is the woman that comes out and meets Jesus. She walks out to the well. Here's the little well, and she walks out. Stand her right up there, Candace. And she comes out. Now, when God makes us, he never forces us to serve him. You see, that's not free will. But unbeknownst to many of us when we come to this earth, in fact, all of us, there's something inside we can't see inside in our heart that's missing and there's an awareness in all of us as we live life that no matter what now GG I'm gonna I'm cheating here I want you to cut out quickly something that will fit that hole real quick go take your time you have three seconds so this woman now I believe what really happened, it was a male-dominant society, and she just got rejected five times, and the sixth guy says, you're not worth marrying. I really believe that's what happened. So when this man, Jesus, is talking to her, it's like, oh, my gosh. This guy acts like he really loves me for who I am. But for the sake of America, if somebody's married five times and it's a woman, we have a little more control in America. Let's pretend that this is an American Samaritan. And she's going to marry for love. She marries a high school sweetheart, He's, and, and she puts him in her life. So Gigi put that into her little hole of her heart, and she, well, that's better than nothing. He's better than nothing. And there's some fulfillment. I mean, how many times have you heard, I can't wait till I get married, I can't wait till I meet my, my Prince Charming, and all my life will get better. And we put into a human being the, the need to be all-satisfying in our life. How many uh, wives know that the husband doesn't 100% satisfy your life? 100%. Okay, some of you ladies are sitting right next to your husband, and he gave you a glare, and you didn't raise your hand. So that's all right. The reality is no human can fill, no human can fill the void of our heart perfectly. And after a while, she was disillusioned, he was disillusioned, and they they grew apart. You know how that happens? We just grew apart, and, and they get divorced. And she says, well, fooey on that. First time for love, second time for what? Money. So hurry, Gigi, make a make a new husband for her that's made out of money. And, and because that guy didn't fill her heart, so I've got to keep searching here. I'm empty. I'm thirsty. I, I'm craving for something in my life. And I've watched my friends, and man, when he's rich, woo, that's closer, that's better. But is it a perfect fit? And over time that doesn't. That doesn't last, and she realizes you can have all the money in the world and still feel empty inside. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know who she. Let's go with um, somebody else, Gigi. Who? Who else? Number three. A football player. Susie found out how little football players can actually fulfill a life. Now, here's the reality. I thought football would fulfill my life. And I cut it out and crafted it for years and put it in my heart. And it wasn't perfect. And I had to play my last football game. You know, everybody has to play their last game. I've seen professional athletes that are 90 years old crying because they go, I can't play anymore. George Foreman kept going until he finally invented a grill. You know, I mean, it's just... (laughs) Now the grill satisfies what really satisfied George Foreman is he found Jesus didn't he So he's happy no matter what he's making even if it's a bad grill kitchen product he's excited you know So we keep going and going and you get the you get the picture but the reality is hidden hidden in the hand of God is your heart the heart he saved for the day you would come around After number six attempt to fill your heart with all the things of life, and you find the perfect match. This is the only thing that perfectly fits that hole. And God reserved it for when He made you, He reserved it. He didn't force you to serve Him, but there's a hungriness, an emptiness that will drive every human being to all kinds of distraction, all kinds of efforts. And that is beautiful. I would like for my lovely assistants to get a great round of applause. And after, after the show, Mr. Mr. Rogers will autograph that for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was going to have you make that out of your bulletins, but I, I knew that Judy would have to clean everything up. All right, so. <laughs> what truly satisfies our life? If, if you don't know this, I'm going to tell you a secret to the meaning of life. Jesus is the only answer. I think we have 200 people in this church that have experimented could say amen to that. And even after we find Jesus, we sometimes forget that he's our all and that he is enough. And that if we'll lean on him and fall on him and keep putting him into our heart and keep remembering he's in our heart, that true satisfaction Will come into our life. Jesus said this. Oh, back up. I forgot about that slide. Thank you. As a follower of Jesus, once you come to Him, you have found the water that will never make you thirst again. You you found the well. You'll never thirst again once you truly accept Jesus and give him your whole life. You'll realize everything else pales in comparison. I I remember in college when I had Jesus and Susie, and I were married, and we were running a we had a off campus Bible study for all the a lot of the kids in the college and on the team and in the dorm uh, dormitories, fraternities, sororities. They'd come to our house every Monday night, and that was very fulfilling. But I remember thinking, you know. If I can just add something to my life besides Jesus, it would be a professional football contract. I think that would be perfect. I could be a Christian and be a professional football player on Jesus. It was a great vision. And that would be my satisfaction. And I remember one game... I. I was finally at a four-year college, and I, I was at the two-year college and did some things, but I thought, well, of course I'm not totally satisfied. I haven't arrived yet. I got to get up the ladder a little more and get into bigger, better games, and so I was in the ultimate football program in the United States, University of Idaho, and so I'm at the ultimate, and but I'd never won a game, and as a kicker, that was something really exciting. You know, kickers can either be the hero or the goat, and I... I, if I could win a game for University of Idaho, I do and I did. One game, I was at Pacific University in California. Kicked a kick, 43 yards, something like that. Last three seconds of the game, we're down by one or two. And the wind was blowing this way. And I kicked the ball to the left. And if anybody knows physics, if the wind's blowing this way and you kick the ball to the left, it just pushes it further left. My holder looked up and literally said a swear word because game over, and the ball went into the crossbar. We win the game. I'm going, yeah, Oh, yay! <laughs> Acted like I did it on purpose. <coughs> got home at 3 in the morning, hugged Susie, <coughs> and there was this emptiness in my heart. One of my buddies had got hurt in the game, and all I could think about was Greg. And I realized I was a hero that day, and yet there's still that emptiness. I mean, you know, even you can have Jesus, and you can... Search for satisfaction outside of him. I think when you're fully satisfied, you are doing things for Jesus, you are fulfilling your mission, you are being who you are in God, and that is satisfying. And I I realized my whole life wasn't supposed to go that direction. But if you don't have Jesus, I'm telling you, you're gonna always be thirsting for something. Take it from somebody who tried. And once you find Jesus... It's the greatest satisfaction you'll ever feel in your entire life. You'll leave your water pot and run into town, I'm telling you. Things of this earth will get strangely dim. And you're. I've heard people say nothing's changed, but everything's changed. It's like I had black and white vision and Jesus just turns my vision to color. I, I still see all this in my life, but now it's. My life takes on color. So, what truly satisfies us. And what truly feeds our soul is to find Jesus. But for those of you that have found Jesus, have you had some unsatisfying days in your life? Yeah, you know, when you really get down to it, you know Jesus is everything, but there's got to be more to life than just playing a harp, dangling your feet in a river, and singing angel songs. We have a funny concept of heaven. I don't think that'd be that fulfilling, to be honest. I think there's more to it than that. I think life is more to it. Jesus said, I come to give you life and that more abundantly. So as followers of Jesus, after a while, we can revert right back to that woman at the well where we're trying to figure out what is it that truly satisfies my soul? And churches strive for that. They want a Sunday morning service that will satisfy everybody's soul. And that's awesome. But I found something, and it's what Jesus said. This is what Jesus actually meant. He said, when his disciples said, have some bread, he says, I'm not hungry anymore. My food, I'm satisfied. You know, you go to Thanksgiving dinner, you eat, you're satisfied. You're full. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And Jesus said in the scripture, I came for this purpose to defeat the works of the evil one, to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his mission. Yes? For God so loved the world that he wrote a mission statement into Jesus' heart. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that Jesus would give himself up to save the world. That was his mission. So Jesus is saying, the reason I'm not hungry, boys, is you should have seen the heart come into that woman I was talking to. Now, that satisfies me. Legacy Church, we will not be truly satisfied till we bring women from the well from Samaria in here and we watch them come to Jesus. When we do that over and over and over, there will be a satisfaction some of us have never felt before, including me as a pastor of a church. I realize my job is to do the will of God who sent us here and to accomplish the work of God. I was thinking about this message for the last couple weeks, months, and I told Susie, it's dawned on me that I have possibly preached over a thousand sermons. As senior pastor, as a youth leader, uh, if you add the youth services, more than a thousand. Youth camp speaker. And there are times we use this word in Christendom I was really anointed, it was awesome. But I got to tell you, you, you've been here. A pastor can't hit a home run every single Sunday. Doesn't happen. We got to walk out our salvation. We got to have Christ for ourselves. You guys need to be reading your Bibles, praying. You can't look to me for your end all. Yes? Right. So, but it's wonderful when the pastor hits it out of the park. And a lot of times that happens when you feel really close to the Lord. You feel elevated. You feel anointed. And you're just preaching off the front. Tr- you're not preaching of yourself. You can tell the Holy Spirit's just taking over. And Pastor Bert will tell you, his body would quit hurting even. He could be aching, and he'd get up here, and the anointing would come on him, and the Holy Spirit, and Bert would tell you, I never feel better than when I'm preaching. It just takes this, and it's awesome feeling. But I told Susie, it dawned on me, the times in my life when I have sat with a human being and watched the light start to come on through my testimony in their life, I have never felt closer to God in all my life. It is the most satisfying thing I have ever done, and I don't care how awesome preaching is, that is the ultimate satisfaction. It's just like awesome. I mean, I am just lifted up onto cloud nine. I can hear the angels cheering. I can hear me cheering. I don't go to the bathroom. I don't want to eat. I just want to sit there and talk to them for 900 hours, and until they convince me, they've said yes to Jesus. It doesn't take that long. And it is, literally, take it from a guy who's preached a 1,000 times, uh, and of that, 29 were very anointed sermons. There's nothing like it. I literally have been at youth camps where I've been up talking to a young person. that's given their heart to Jesus, crying. And they have, you can, you can tempt me with hot chocolate, cookies, popcorn, uh, $20 bills. I don't really want any of that. And it's there for all of you. A number of you will never preach up here. But, oh, if you would start preaching to people you know for Jesus. And I want to encourage you to talk to people that don't expect you to even have any. She said this, you Jews have no dealings with us Samaritans. And I would say we could argue that there's a list of people in all of our hearts where we said, I'd rather not deal with that type of person. One of the greatest things I could ever do when I was in college, had my U of I Lettermas jacket, was to take it off and go sit by somebody who was a drama major. No, I'm just kidding. could be anything. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> Sorry about that, you drama major. Underwater basket weaver. There we go. And to sit down and really show them how much you love them. They, their, their mind just goes, why are you talking to me? You say, well, I was never a U of I letterman's jacket guy. There is somebody that knows that you don't have, want to have any dealings with them. Because they're beneath you. There's somebody out there beneath everybody. They're your Samaritan woman. They will be shocked that you love them despite all logic. Now you have to use the Holy Spirit, you have to ask, and you can't go up and say, Well, I know I'm better than you, so I'm here to talk to you and come down to your level. I mean you you give off that message. That, that Jesus, of course, didn't give her that message. She's going, why are you talking to me? Why do you act like you like me? Why do you not only like me? See, this is the thing. Christians are supposed to love everybody. But we all know Christians don't like everybody. Now, you may not be that way. It's a bad rap, right? Let's go prove to the world that we like people. Of every creed and color, race, religion sinner not sinner we like people because there's compassion in us that they're suffering without jesus and to ask the holy spirit to keep you humble and loving and soft and to talk to those who don't think you have any reason to have any dealing with them i'm telling you you will find a satisfaction that will blow you away um i'm guessing a number of you in here have done that And you felt how close Jesus comes to your heart in those times. Uh, You cannot get any closer to Jesus than when you're sitting with somebody at a well, telling them about him. He will just encourage the pejeebers out of your heart. He will come and say, you you will never feel me closer than this moment. Jesus even said, don't be afraid when you go on trial before men for the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit will even download into you the thought, the stories, the... Your background. Do you know know that yesterday in our men's meeting, Tony shared these incredible things. Sophia shared incredible things I know about the miracles in their life. And the takeaway was, God gives me a story for his glory. To glorify him in all the earth. And Tony said, I, I, I missed it. I wished I'd have told him you don't have to have 23 miracles and, you know, almost lose your marriage, your kids, and your car, you know, you, you, a country-western record that goes backwards, you know, your pickup breaks down, your dog dies, and, you know. You don't have to have that. He said, I, I, I wanted to say, everybody has a story that will reach somebody. Yes. Yes, right. You see, in a Meridian, Idaho, CUNA, Boise, Caldwell, Nampa. I don't know if you've noticed, we have a lot of really nice homes and really perfect families out there. Wink, wink, nod, nod. The majority of people that we run across may not have had any tragedy in their life. In fact, they had a golden life. Don't be fooled by the deceitfulness of riches, the Bible says. It does not satisfy. And they will come to work, they'll be around you, and, and they'll be defying logic. They, 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 I don't know why I'm sad, and so I'm not going to act sad. I've got it together. My kids are great. They're honor students. I put that on the bumper, and we're all great. And we're good. My husband is a wonderful man. I'm sure he's not cheating on me or looking at pornography at night. I, I, my, I, yeah, Come on. And we look really good out there. But ask the Holy Spirit who's dying inside Because somebody around you that looks like they got their act together is dying inside, and they don't trust to tell you that, else you'll think and judge them. They don't want to be judged for having a rotten life inside, because everything in their logic tells them they should be happy. Let's put on our Holy Spirit goggles and our love and our compassion and go to work, go to our family, get togethers, and begin to ask the Lord, God, zero in on my Samaritan woman that cousin I've never talked to because they're an alcoholic and they know I'm not or he's got habits or he's been on his 23rd marriage or whatever it is, who is it that God wants you to bring their heart in your hand to them? You will change the trajectory of their life. What a lot of you don't know is when you do that, this kind of a life happens. And, and there's millions, there's a hundred stories out here. But do you know our, quote, pastor's dad was in a gang and orphaned in Guatemala? Somebody gave Edgar Nunez his heart back. Do you know where this guy would be if somebody hadn't given Edgar Nunez his heart back? He might have been born, but in the slums of Guatemala, and this life would be selling drugs to 12-year-olds and being the most miserable, wretched human being in all the planet. When you bring somebody to Christ, you have no idea the trajectory you change for eternity. That person in Edgar's life ended his suffering And ended his kids suffering and their kids kids suffering and how many of you have that story today that somebody in your life ended the suffering of the chain in your family tree because somebody told somebody that they were empty without Jesus and they said it in a way that people went oh my gosh it's so obvious why didn't I see that I want that water give me the water I don't care how much I have to pay for it what do I have to do it's so fun talking to people because You know, they'll just, I've had people come, hey, come up here to the altar. And people that don't know anything about church, just walk, this is the altar, but they walk right up here and they go, go, I was going to pray for you, but okay. It's so fun being around people that don't know anything about anything. And they're saying, good Jesus, I won't have to drink anymore out here. Jesus is like, oh man, you know, this is great. It is so fun, so satisfying. So fulfilling to ask Jesus for the heart of another person who's empty and missing it. And you get to be the deliverer. See that I made the girls give me the heart. Give me the heart. I want the heart. You hold the heart of the lost in your hands because your savior lives within you and he holds her heart and he will give you the words to say. He'll give you the compassion and the love to reach out. This is sobering to me in the United States. Abracadabra In the United States, 70% unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole lives based on one study. 70% of the United States is 136 million souls. Well, I don't know anybody that oh, come on I don't know anybody, everybody I know is saved. Well, then we need to broaden our neighbors. We need to get out of that neighborhood and leave the 99 and go after the 1. God's not telling you to abandon your family and don't love Christians. Of course, the Bible says, above all, have love of the brotherhood. But how fun would it be for all of us to go fishing and to go search and seek the lost? I'm already getting testimonies you're doing that on your jobs, your work, And it is so fun to go on that journey with you. I I don't think if the church is doing and accomplishing the work that God has called the church to do, that that statistic should remain. Our job is to do the will of the Father and to accomplish a mission in the United States where everybody gets invited to Jesus. We get to do this. This is going to be such a privilege and an honor to do this. Send on that Mr. Rogers quote. I hope you're proud of yourself. And I understand Bible pride versus human pride. You know what we're talking about. I hope you know that it's satisfying for the times you said yes when all it meant was extra work for you and was seemingly helpful only to somebody else but I got to tell you when you do something like when somebody the lost the clock stops all your responsibilities go out the window you could care less about how much money you have in your wallet or what's going on and one of the greatest times in my life when this happened I got in trouble at home we didn't have cell phones and I got home at what time in the mornings I got home at four in the morning And I'm not telling you that's the way I should have done it. But I'm telling you, I didn't have any idea it was that late. We talked for six hours, and it went like this. And that man, Jet, was here and gave his testimony just recently how it changed the trajectory of his life, his kid's life, and his kid's kid's life. I had no idea I was being that impactful in the world. I just was driven by this compassion to love on Jet and tell him about Jesus. And he'll tell you that while we talked, he would have a question, and I'd answer his question before he asked it. I began to tell him everything that he knew that I didn't. Because I'm such a deep, prophetic individual. No, I was in college, I knew the Bible, I knew Jesus, and I loved the bejeebers out of this guy. And Jesus' Holy Spirit will download into you prophetic wisdom and you won't even know you have it I didn't know that until 40 years later when he told me Ralph I said Jet I'm so sorry I don't think I let you talk at all he goes you know you didn't because you kept having a one-way conversation that was also talking in my head at the same time I was talking to you'd you say it and it witnessed to him that there's a real God who loved him and knew his heart you guys these works and greater shall you do I'm serious you're going to pale my story. I believe that. If we just begin to move and get out of the boat, you'll be walking on water. You'll be winning the lost. And there will be a satisfaction take over us that we won't care about a whole lot of other things as far as the church world's concerned. And our politics will even fall off the map. Come on. where winning people is more important than turning them into our political view. Let the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, not us. Let the Holy Spirit get into this woman's heart, and you know she changed her lifestyle after that. I don't know what that meant, or whether her husband came out or her boyfriend came out with her, and we don't know the rest of the story. But that didn't seem to be important to the Lord. She found Jesus. I'd like the worship team to come up. And in just a minute as they play... I want everybody in this building to know who may have realized today that you've got a hole in your life. That you have come to the right place and you've had a day of destiny right here, right now. There is no mistake. There's no coincidence. You are here today for a loving father to tell you, I've got your heart in my hand. I want to give it back to you. I want to fulfill your life. I don't want you to worry about all the questions you have in your heart. Just turn it all over to me. But how are you going to get water? The well's deep. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of all your questions. But the most important thing is, ask me for your heart. I will fulfill you the rest of your life. And you will come alive and have a life in that more abundantly. And I will forgive you and you'll be reconciled to me like nothing ever happened bad in your life. Or that you ever sinned in your life. I'll make you pure as snow and we'll have the greatest relationship in the world for eternity. And I want you to know, in just a minute, we're going to stand. And we're going to begin to sing. And I want you to make a move of a lifetime to go to the well of Jesus. And we're going to have some people back there, very loving, non-judgmental, wonderful, beautiful Christians who've had Jesus put his heart in their life, who will pray with you in the back to receive the heart of Jesus. And so we're going to begin to sing. And I want you to feel a freedom to do that at the same time those of you that have realized that as Christians, at one time you were satisfied and there's been some dissatisfaction come into your life, welcome to humanity. We all do this. And say, God, bring my eyes back to you that I fix my eyes upon you. And I find what satisfies me, Father, in you. So every believer and every follower in this house, I, I want you to come forward and Just say, God, give me a passion for the lost. Give me a direction that will satisfy my soul in these days, God. And don't beat yourself up. Every one of us goes through these, what truly satisfies. And then if you are somebody that doesn't feel to respond to either one of those, I'd like you to ask the Lord if there's something you should do in the house of God or outside the house of God to serve him and to accomplish his work in your life. And you could write on your contact card, I would really like prayer for this or I'd like to be involved in this. And, and if you would just write on there what you feel the Lord speaking to your heart, how you can be a part of bringing people to him at the well. So we're going to stand, if you would. And if you would just ask the Lord to lead you and guide you and respond in the back to receive Jesus, coming up here to receive a new mission in life, maybe a new lease on life in Christ, or to write on a card... Your heart's desire for Him. All right, Lori.
1: Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to be. Your love made awake way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life
0: began Oh, just move out in the Lord right now in Jesus' name Be bold
1: As was redeemed, only beauty oh, remained.
0: Obey His voice this morning My, my orphaned heart, heart yeah, was beautiful. given away
1: My morning grew
0: quiet
1: My feet rose to dance When death was the rest joy once again for being here today we're so glad that you were able to come out Um, we're gonna just kind of keep the music playing in the background for anybody that's still getting prayed for or anybody up front so those of you that um, are not getting prayed for or up front feel free to uh, be excused have a wonderful week and we'll see you back here again this next week